This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We are going to continue the series on uh, prayer that works. And, um, you know, when I think about prayer, I think about communication. And, you know, when you think about communication, in what I do for a living, I'm a property manager. I've been working in property management for over 28 years with the same company, thank God. And I've learned that over the years that when hiring someone or, or you know, when trying to train someone, one of the uh, qualities that is so important is the ability to communicate well. And I found that it doesn't just happen, but how many of you know it takes hard work to communicate well? And, you know, right nowadays we have no excuse because, right, we have texting, we have social media, we have all kinds of ways to communicate. But would you not agree that we always can learn something about communicating better? And in the same regard, I think there's always room for improvement when we're talking about prayer and the ability to, to, to pray effective prayers and to pray um, prayers that work. So along those lines, we're going to be continuing the discussion today. And when you think about, when I think about prayer that works, I kind of think about, you know, my car when it works, right? Isn't it good when a car works, right? Isn't that a good thing? How, how is it when a car doesn't work, right? How about your lawnmower? Does that always work? Sometimes it doesn't work, right? The weed whacker, the hedge trimmer, anything with an engine, sometimes they don't work. Agreed? How many of you have some kind of piece of equipment in your garage or in your shed that doesn't work? Anybody besides me? Okay, fair amount of hands go up, right? Some of you have, I have a car that doesn't work in, in the driveway right now. But how many of you know what three things, there are three conditions that are required in order for an internal combustion engine to work? Do you know what they are? I heard spark, gas, or fuel, yes, spark. And then the third thing is what? We need air. Air. We need, com we need air. We need combustion. That's how it works. Air is part of the combustion. If you don't have those three conditions, guess what? It doesn't work. And in the same regard, there are certain conditions that we need to have that are in God's word that in, in order for our, our prayer to work, we need to have these conditions and, and Pastor Ron, he, he covered these in depth. Um, and we have to pray God's way. And when we want to know how to pray, the answers are in God's word. And, and one thing that Pastor Ron is, I mean, I've been here 16 years, but one thing that he's always um, preached on, taught on, and talked about is the importance of when we pray, we're praying God's word, right? We're praying God's word. And praying God's word is like only ordering food that's on the menu, right? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you ordered something that wasn't on the menu? And they said, well, I'm sorry, but that's not, you know, it's not available. You can't have that. You have to order from what's on the menu. So when we pray and we pray God's word, we're praying the things that are on the menu. And the menu, I, Pastor, uh, I should say, Sue Bradley gave me this little book. It's called Armed and Dangerous. Has anybody ever seen this book? It is filled with scripture and the promises of God, and it's divided into categories specifically for answers when we pray. And this has been an invaluable tool to me. It's, and it's like when we open it, it's like praying what's on the menu. And we know when we pray God's word, we know it's going to work because it's on the menu. So one thing that I also learned uh, years ago was... Does anybody know what an acronym is? Anybody know what that is? An acronym? Anybody can think of an acronym? Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I know one. It's K-I-S-S, -S, KISS. You know what that means? Keep it simple. Saints. I heard somebody say the other word. But for this morning, it's keep it simple. Saints. Okay. A little more, a little more appealing, a little more, you know, palatable. Keep it simple, saints. And I learned that whenever I need to learn something about God's word, it's important that I have something 
that I can, I can just, I can pare it down, I can simplify it, keep it simple and understand it because I want to retain it and use it. And so we're going to use an acronym, and I'm going to talk about an acronym for prayer. And it's simply, guess what it is? It's PRAY. P-R-A-Y. And we're going to take each letter, and we're going to see what that letter means in that acronym PRAY. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So the first letter is what? P. And what do you think that stands for? It stands for praise. Everybody say that with me. Praise. Praise. And look with me, if you will, to Psalm 100. Is it up on the, uh, on the overhead screen there? Psalm 100 and verse 1. Can you see it now? What does it say? Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. And uh, another version says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I am so happy it says joyful noise. Because if it said make a beautiful noise, I couldn't do it. Because guess what? I can't sing, okay? And you'll hear me try to sing pretty soon. You'll, you'll agree. No, you can't sing. No, that's for sure you can't sing. So I'm thankful it says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I, I, this is not something I planned, but the, I don't know if you saw there was a little girl here. And she was, she was just dancing to me. She had a beautiful skirt on. She was dancing. I mean, what an object lesson. The Bible, do you know the Bible says delight yourself in the Lord and what? He will give you the desires of your heart. I think that was an object lesson for all of us here. You know, we can learn from children. Amen? Can we not? And that was a beautiful object lesson. Someone, she's just joyfully dancing. And I think that made God's heart glad. I really believe that. And so in like manner, as we're believers in Christ, as we're followers of Christ, okay, when... We approach God, we need to approach him with joy. It says, shout with joy to the Lord. The Lord doesn't mind if you shout as long as it's with joy. And have you ever been outside of the church, you know, have you ever been somewhere where you, maybe you listen to a, a song, a Christian song, or Caleb in the car or something, where you just shouted with joy to the Lord? Have you ever had that experience? Raise your hand if you've had that kind of experience. Many hands went up. But I would encourage you, if you've never done that, take time to just think about all that God has done for you and all that, how much he loves you and shout with joy to the Lord, it says, all the earth. Verse 2 says this, worship the Lord with sadness. No, it says gladness. But isn't it often the case, when we, even when we come to church, we're a little down, Right? And I see, every, I, I look around sometimes, see everybody's kind of, yep, kind of going through the motions. But it says, worship the Lord with gladness. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. Everybody say that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy. When you take delight in the Lord, like that little girl did, do you know that's strengthening to your soul? Do you know that? The Bible says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. And you can't sing with joy if, if, you're, not, if you're not joyful, <laughs> okay? So take time to think about the goodness of God. It says, come before him singing with joy. Verse 3 says this, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He is the only God, and he is almighty God, not Half-mighty God, he is almighty God, and he made us, and we are his. And when I think of that, it's not only that he's our creator, but he's our inventor. He knows how we work, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. He's our creator. He made us, and we are his. We are his possession. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And when you think about a shepherd who cares for sheep, isn't it comforting to know that God, our heavenly father, is your shepherd watching after you? And the Bible says that he is the good shepherd and he gave his life for the sheep. Amen. He gave his life. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for you and me, his sheep, it says. The Bible says we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts 
with praise. And that was the song that we, the, entry, the beginning song, the opening song that we sang about. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And think of it, that you have audience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Almighty God. And how we enter into his presence is with thanksgiving and praise. Thanking him and praising him and expressing that to him. It says, give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to him and praise his name. This is how we enter his courts. And this is how uh, we enter his gates. And then, you know, singing about, um, when you think about praising God, I know Pastor Ron's taught about this. Um, It's not just saying, I praise you, Lord, I praise you, Lord, I praise you, Lord. That's not it. It's almost like when I think of it, I, I, I praise, sing my wife's praises often. How many of you know my wife, Nancy? Okay. She's lead teacher in the junior super church here. And it's so easy for me to sing her praises because she's everything that I'm not. Okay. She's patient. She's kind. She's tender hearted. She's never in a hurry. And we have six kids and that's hard when you have six kids to never be in a hurry. And I, I think it drives me nuts sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But I thank God for that. And I, and I oftentimes, and, and friends, you know, if you're friends with me out there, you know, I do sing her praises a lot. But that's in the same way we sing our praises to God by telling him what we think of him, his character. Talking about the fact that he's loving, he's merciful, gracious, he's long-suffering or patient. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, and he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. For these things and these qualities, we praise God and we tell him these things. He is good and he is great and we love him. That's entering his gates and his courts with praise. And I would encourage you, one of the things I've done, and I, and I talked to a lot of folks when we pray here at the altar, one of the things, if you're going through a difficult time, if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, as the scripture says, if you're going through a tough time, one thing I tell folks a lot is, if you have a, if you, does everybody have the U version on their phone? Or do you know that you can get the U version on, on your phone? And do you know that you can listen to the scripture? I tell folks all the time, go home, listen to the Psalms. Listen to the Psalms. Just listen to them. When you're in the car, it's a beautiful thing. I have Bluetooth, I have Bluetooth connectivity, right? So I can connect between my phone and my car, and I listen to the Psalms. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn in the Psalms to help us praise God. And it's a way of getting our mind off ourselves and our problems and getting them on God. So I would encourage you, listen to the Psalms, and the Psalms are filled with praise prayers. Praise prayers that the psalmist, and many of them were written by David, that they prayed to God. These were prayers that they prayed to God, and they're filled with praise to God. And verse 5 says this, Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. The reason why we want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise is because God is good. He is good. Amen? And all the time, God is good. That's right. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. And these are the reasons. These are the attributes. These are the qualities of God, why we praise him. He is good, he is merciful, and he is faithful. And this is why we enter his gates. This is why we thank him, and this is why we praise him. And to illustrate this, the power of praise, I'm going to read a story from the book of Acts this morning. And it's found in Acts chapter 16. And I've asked a few of you to come up. Pastor John, would you come up? Then my son Ryan, I don't know where he is. But I think he might have shied away. So, Rennie, would you come up for just a minute? We're going to read about Paul and Silas, okay? And Paul and Silas were in jail. But the way they got there, I want to explain, okay? <clears throat> they were on a missionary journey, and, and you and I, you're going to be, we're going to be Paul and Silas, okay? So, you're the jailer, by the way, Pastor John, Okay? So anyway, they're on a missionary journey, right? They go, God sends them the second missionary journey. They go to Macedonia, a region called Macedonia. 
and a city called Philippi, okay? God sends them to Philippi to preach the gospel, right? And while they're there, uh, one day they're going to the place of prayer, and they meet this slave girl. Just says, it doesn't say her name, but she's a slave girl. And the way she, what she, how she operated was she had a spirit within her that enabled her to tell the future. And the reason she was a slave, because she was a servant to masters, and they made a, a lot of money off of her because she had the ability to tell the future. It says she had a spirit within her that gave her the ability to tell the future. And let me just tell you, there's nothing new about the New Age, okay? There's nothing new about the New Age. This is back in Bible times, okay? But anyway, this happened for several days. So the slave girl was following Paul and Silas, and she was proclaiming, she was proclaiming that these men are telling you the way of salvation and the way back to God. She was actually proclaiming this, right, for several days. And it, it says there that Paul, that he, it, this exasperated him because he knew that it was not a Holy Spirit. It was not of God that this was of, of the devil, the spirit that was in her. So one day he turned to her and he spoke to her and he cast the demon out of her and she was set free. She was delivered from that demonic possession, okay? And what happened was she no longer had the ability to tell the future. So guess how her masters reacted? Do you think they were mad? Do you think they were upset? Because their means for making money was gone. It disappeared. Thank God that girl was delivered of the demon. And, but the reason for it was Paul. So what do you think the masters did to Paul and Silas? Let's read about it right here. Hang on. <laughs> Acts 16 and verse 22, it says this. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. Verse 23, they were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. <clears throat> the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. And the complete responsibilities for the security of those prisoners was in the jailer's hands. The jailer was ultimately responsible, okay? Verse 24, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Just so you know, the inner dungeon was not a pleasant place, right? It was muck, it was mire, it was filth, it was rats, it was snakes, it was spiders, it was feces, it was bodily fluids, it was probably dead bodies. Yeah, because well, the prisoners that went in there didn't come out, and they didn't go get them out, okay? And this is where we're going to pick it up. And my wife and I, I told you, she's in, she is a teacher in Junior Super Church. Oftentimes when we have a Bible story, we, we have the kids to, to get it, to get the point, we have them act it out. So guess what we're going to do this morning? We're going to act this out. Okay, so they were in stock. So I just so happened to have some big wooden boards back here. Rennie, if you would help me for a minute. Okay. There's one. And there's two. All right, Rennie, put them. Okay, we're going to put, you know, just, I don't want to make it too uh, cruel for you, so we're going to put them on top. Last night I did this, and we put one on top of the other. And uh, Emil, who was my, who was playing Silas, he had little marks on his <laughs> ankles. I felt so bad. I'm sorry. So we won't do that today. Okay. So the other thing was, all right. Oh, where are? Oh, here they are. Okay. Just drop those over there, will you? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Just happen to have these laying around the house. No big deal. Okay, now, these are going to go back here. Now, Pastor John, you're the jailer, okay? All right, now, Rennie, you are Silas, and I'm Paul. So, the, this particular, the way the stocks were, what I read about the stocks was that they were elevated off the floor, and that their legs... Put your ankles up there like that, yeah. And their legs were to the point where it was not only an instrument of security, 
But it was an instrument of torture. That's exactly right. And actually, the way it was, was there was another, this board, and I did this last night, but I felt bad. I didn't do it this morning. <laughs> I don't, don't want to hurt you too bad here, okay? They, the other board, the way the stocks really worked was, the other board went on top, and they had clamps, and they would squeeze the clamps. And there was, I, I read that, it, a kind of a nice picture of it shows that there was holes where the ankles worked. Actually, there weren't because it actually was more painful by just squeezing the boards together. So the boards were squeezed together with clamps, and their arms were back like this. And you say, well, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if you could lay down, right? They didn't want to lay down. You know why they didn't want to lay down? They would lay in Feces. muck, filth, mire, rats crawling on their face. That was worse than having comfort. So this was actually the position most likely that they were. And then, by the way, you're the jailer, okay, Pastor John? Can you take those chains and wrap them around, uh, wrap them around our wrists, if you would, okay? You just kind of lay them on top. That's okay. That'll be good, okay? But they wanted, this is, they wanted to make sure, the jailer wanted to make sure that his prisoners did not escape, okay? That's good enough. Thank you. Now, Pastor John, if you could go over there, okay, and turn that microphone on, okay? And then in my notes there, you'll see a, a blue circle. You see it in the middle of the page there? Right there. Yeah. See it? Verse 25. If you could pick it up. Yeah. Now, they're in stocks. Now, um, go ahead and read verse 25. If you could stop it at, at, after each verse. Go ahead. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Okay, thank you. Stop right there. Thanks. It says at midnight. Now, just thinking about it, they had to be there for at least four hours like this. And it, there was no, you know, there's no fan blowing on them. There's no air conditioning, okay? It was muck. It was mire. It was filth. It was disgusting. And what were they, say that again, what were they doing? They were singing and Praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing hymns to God. Now, think about that for a minute. If there was ever a situation where any character in the Bible, any person in the Bible, had a gripe with God, I think this would have been it. They did. Paul and Silas were doing exactly what God told them to do. Exactly what he told them to do. They were put in prison, not just prison, the inner prison. Their legs and ankles were, they were in agony, torture because of the stocks. And it says they were praying and singing hymns. It says singing, other versions of that verse say singing hymns of praise or singing praises to God. Like, bless the Lord. Say that with me. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Pretty good. Probably, a, that, that's a joyful noise. That's not a beautiful noise. That's a joyful noise, right? That's right. That's a joyful noise. Joyful noise. Joyful noise. joyful noise. There you go. But they were singing hymns and pr praise to God. I, I don't know. I, I just, when I think about that, it, it's mind boggling. That's supernatural, folks. That's supernatural. And keep the going. other prisoners were listening. Then that's what it says. The prison, and that's keep going. Exactly, the prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. Silas, let's go. Let's get out of here. Come on, quick, quick, run, run, fast, fast. Let's go. Come on. But wait a minute. Is that what they did? That's what I would have done if I was there for four hours. Are you kidding me? And I'm praying, and I'm thinking, God's going to get us out of here. He did. Let's go. That's not what happened. It says all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up. That's right. <laughs> the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Now, why did he want to kill himself? He knew he was responsible. 
And he thought those prisoners had hightailed it out of there. That's what he thought. And he said, I might as well just do the deed now because I know my life's worth nothing. Because those I report to, they're going to kill me. But listen to what Paul says. But Paul shouted out to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Now, wait a minute, think about that. He was in a place of agony and misery. The doors fly open. The chains fall off. And what did he do? Where everybody, not just him, every prisoner was still there. Folks, that's a miracle. That's God. Keep, keep reading, Pastor John. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And what did he say? Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, whether it was through their praising, whether it was through their praying, somehow that jailer got convicted that he needed salvation. He was brought to the place of repentance right there, and it was the Spirit of God convicting him. And think about, my wife asked me this last night. What do you think Paul and Silas were praying when they were in prison? What do you think they were praying? That they would be out of, get out of prison? That's not what they were praying. You know what they were praying? They were praying for this jailer to be saved. And the, the other prisoners, it says, were listening. Guess what? They were praying for the other prisoners. Now, it doesn't mean that their other Christian believers, brothers and sisters, might have been in another house somewhere praying for their, their release. That may have been the case. But I believe that Paul and Silas, in that misery, in that dungeon, they were praying for the salvation of souls. And keep reading, Pastor John. They were... Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is what Paul said. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved along with your household. Keep going. And they shared the word of the Lord with him, with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. They shouted to the Lord with joy. And it all started, learn from this. It started from them praising God. They were praising God. And it, was, it wasn't in church. It wasn't in some comfortable place. It was in a very difficult place. And they had done exactly, if there was anybody that, that, that had the right to be upset with God for what happened to them, it was them. It, it they weren't complaining. They weren't crying. They were praying and singing God's praises. And Did God answer that? Did that prayer work? I said, did that prayer work? When I was growing up, there was a saying in my household. My dad was 100% Irish, and I don't know if it was just Irish households. Maybe you've heard this saying before, okay? When 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 you asked him if something worked, and the answer was absolutely, obviously yes, he would answer with a rhetorical question. You know what it was? Is the Pope Catholic? Has anybody ever heard that? Well, yeah, Dad, I mean, everybody knows the Pope's Catholic. Well, then the answer is yes, absolutely. Did it work? Absolutely it worked. Is the Pope Catholic? Yeah, it worked. It worked like, it's like this. You know how I said prayer that works is like an engine that works? This is like having a Maserati engine on your lawnmower work. Okay? That's how effective that prayer works. And let us learn from the story. Let us learn this, this first letter in the acronym PRAY. Praise. Learn to praise God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. As you do, your mind gets off. Your problem seems so small when you magnify God, when you lift up God, when you realize how great he is. Give it up for Pastor John. Rennie, thank you, brother. My brother Silas.
Amen. God has a lot more planned for us, brother. Believe me. Okay. And that's how it happened to my wife, Betty, and myself. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. Appreciate it. Can I get a drink right now? I'm a little exhausted. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That was awesome. Praise. The first letter in the acronym PRAY is PRAISE. The second is R. What do you think R stands for? What do you think? I didn't hear anybody. What? R? Repent. Repent. Oh, dirty word. Wait a minute. Repent. Wait a minute. Mike, repent. I've, I've already repented. I've come to Christ. I've repented of my sin. I trusted Christ. I've done that. If we want to listen to this, listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says this. If my people, which are called by my name, that's the part of the family. That's God's people. Do you call yourself a Christian? Folks, this is for you and me, okay? How many of you know, even after we follow Christ, there's times in our life where either our heart gets cold or we get off track or we've done something that we need to repent, we need to turn, we need to confess it as sin. How many of you know that? Repent. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, all those things are part of praying. Humbling our, the prayer of itself, the act of praying is humbling ourselves, recognizing we have a need for God. So if we do these things, if my people, part of the family of God, called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance. That's repentance. Turning from their wicked ways. That is recognizing it's wicked, confessing it, agreeing with God, and then turning 180 degrees to follow God. If you do that, it says, then will I hear from heaven. Folks, that's answered prayer right there. That's listening to your prayers. And will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And is that not answered prayer? That's something we pray at our National Day of Prayer. If you've ever been to our National Day of Prayer service here at Faith Living Church, that's something we pray. That's a scripture we pray almost every time. Because does our land not need healing here in the United States? Thank God for our freedoms. Thank God we can come here, uh, you know, peacefully. But that's, but there's a lot of things wrong with our land, amen? There's a lot of things that need correction. There's a lot of sickness. It says, if we, his people, call by his name, humble themselves and pray, and seek his face, turning from their wicked ways. That's repentance. He will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin, thank God. And he will heal our land. That's answered prayer. And the thing that causes us to turn, the thing that causes us to turn, listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly, for godly sorrow works repentance. Godly sorrow, having, recognizing our condition before God, understanding that we need him, we need his mercy. We need his forgiveness. Humbling ourselves. That, recognizing the price he paid, how much he loved us. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It says, for godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. And that is a very good thing. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. There's two kinds of sorrows here. There's a sorrow that's a good sorrow, leads to salvation. And then there's a despair, the sorrow of the world that leads to death. But the sorrow that leads to salvation is a good thing. Being convinced of our need, folks, is a good thing. And coming to God in need is a a very good thing. Even when, even after we first accepted Christ. Remember, this is his people called by his name. Psalm 139 says this. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The psalmist here is saying, Search me, examine me, put your magnifying glass upon me, search my heart. How many of you know it's hard to know where our heart is sometimes? We, and we, out of the heart flows everything, every aspect of life comes from our heart. So it's important that our heart, we have somebody, God, inspect and search our heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you. Point out, examine How many of you know sometimes we need somebody else to point out issues with us? And how many of you know that if you're praying, you know God by the Holy Spirit can speak to you and show you things about your heart and your life and my life? 
that, that we need to change? And the way I look at this is, have you ever bitten into a, an everything bagel, okay? And maybe from Dunkin' Donuts, maybe from wherever, okay? And you go to work, and you're smiling away, and you're talking to somebody, and, and you got three little poppy seeds in your teeth, right? And you have no idea. And thankfully, at least if they're your friend, they're going to point it out. Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. You got a few seeds in your mouth. And I just want to tell you, oh, thanks, pal. You know, the ones that aren't your friends, you know, they don't say anything, right? But your friends are the ones that point it out. And that's how I see this verse. This is how I see it. Um, when, you, when you have something inside, God, we can pray. We need to pray. God, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the everlasting way because I want to turn from that. Whatever offends you, God. Because you love me so much, I want to turn from that, and I want to follow you. And sometimes we need God's help to, to see that inside of us. Psalm 66 and verse 18 says this, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And this was written by David. And so many of you know the story of David's life. He committed great sin. And it says, if, conditional, if I had not confessed. Confess is simply agreeing with God about your sin. Calling sin, sin. Not calling it anything else and not making excuses for it. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And if he's not listening, if he's not hearing us, he's not going to be able to answer our prayer. But what does the Bible say? If we confess our sins, if we do that, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from every wrong. And other versions of this, of this verse it uses the word uh, for confess. It uses uh, cherish or um, love or harbor. Or uh, I shouldn't say love, but it says either cherish, harbor, or enjoy sin. What it means here is, how many of you know there's times when sin is, is pleasurable? Sin can be pleasurable, right? For a season. And this is talking about not wanting to give it up. Enjoying it to the point where I don't want to give it up. I enjoy it, and I don't want to confess it. I don't want to get rid of it. I don't want to give it up. But if you don't do that, God's not going to hear. Your, your prayers are not going to work. God's not listening. That's what, that's what the word says right here. And it, it says, it also, the Bible says that God resists the proud, right? But he gives grace to what? The humble. He gives grace to the humble. And part of grace is answered prayer. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21 says this, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. It says if we don't feel guilty, sin will make us feel guilty, but when we confess our sin, we're not guilty anymore. Because as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our transgressions from us. There is forgiveness, but it starts with confessing it agreeing with God, repenting from it. And when we do that, we don't feel guilty. The guilt is gone. We can come to God with bold confidence, and confidence is simply faith, assurance that he'll answer us, and assurance that he's able to answer our prayer. Bold confidence. Verse 22 says this, And we will receive from him whatever we ask because... We obey him and do the things that please him. We will receive whatever we ask. This is our confidence. And again, we talked about conditions for things to work at the beginning. These conditions, we obey him and do the things that please him. Do the things that please him. Those are the conditions. So it's part of the repentance process, even for believers. And now the third letter in this acronym pray is ask. Everybody say that with me. Ask. And how many of you have ever heard of the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Can anybody sing that song? Anybody want to come up and sing that song? I certainly can't. So I'm going to just, I'm going to read the, the words to you because th listen to these words. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. 
Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? If we have, don't be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? But we do often experience pain in our lives. And we're carrying burdens that we don't need to carry because we don't go to God in prayer. I don't know how many times I've talked to people and about whatever is going on, and, and they'll say, they've tried this, they tried that, they tried this, they took this, they took that. And I said, well, did you pray? Oh, no, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. That should be the first thing we do. If we're believers in Christ, the first thing we should do, the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Look with me in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence. This is the faith. This is the assurance that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And that is an important condition, according to his will, in line with his will. How do we get in line with his will? By knowing his word, by hiding his word in our heart. By praying God's word back to him about any... Trust me, folks, there's literally thousands of promises in here that covers everything in your life. And when we pray God's word, and a lot of times when we pray in agreement with somebody, there's power when we pray. We join our faith. This is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and since we know he hears us, when we make our requests, we know that he will give us what we ask for. And that is the definition of prayer that works. Getting what we ask for. But there's a sequence, okay? If we ask him, if conditional, according to his will, first, then he hears us. And then when he hears us, after he hears us, we know we will have, he will give us what we ask for. Very, very important. If you've never learned to pray God's word or, or have it in your heart, I would encourage you. One thing I try to do, try to memorize one verse a week, just one, one a week. Your prayer life will change, will be dramatically different once you get God's word inside and you start spending time and just praying his word back to God. Things will happen. Things will happen in your life. And since we know he hears us, when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says this, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now this is written by the Apostle Paul, the guy that was in prison before. Okay? He is writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And he says that we need to pray for all men. And Jesus, you know what Jesus said, who to pray for? Jesus said, Jesus said to pray for those who what? Persecute you. Did Paul know something about being persecuted? I said, did Paul know something about being persecuted? Yes, he did. He says, pray for all men. And listen to the next verse, for, verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority, leaders, political leaders, even if you don't agree with them, there's no qualification here. As believers in Christ, don't criticize. Pray. Pray for our leaders. They need, amen, somebody say amen. They need our prayer. They need, whether you, believe, whether you agree with them politically or not, everyone in authority, for kings and all who are authority, that we may lead, lead, excuse me, lead a quiet and peaceable life, in all godliness and reverence. And isn't that what we want? And, and thank God that for the most part, we can live a peaceable and quiet life in the United States. No, it's not perfect. But thank God, of the, and I've lived, my, my dad will tell you, we lived in another, another country. We lived in Australia. And you think Australia is the same as the United States, folks. It's not. It's not. He knocked, he was an engineer. He was a qualified engineer. And he would go to uh, places of employment in Australia. And it had a big sign over it. Americans need not apply. So when they came back to this country, and if you've never been outside of this country, you can't identify with that. 
and even Australia, where you think it's just like the United States. And it brings tears to my dad when he came back, my, and my mom when they came back. They came back to the United States at customs. You know what they did? They welcomed him. They welcomed him, welcomed back, and they hugged him. He'll never forget that. And thank God, for the most part, we live in a country where we can enjoy a quiet and peaceable life. Thank God for the freedoms that we have. It's not that way in every country, folks. It's not that way. It says, for this is good and acceptable, verse 3, in the sight of God, our Savior. And here it is, verse 4, here it is. If you want to know, it says, we have to pray. If we ask anything according to his will, it says, listen to what it says here. In the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if you've ever wondered what is God's will, there's one thing you don't have to wonder about. You don't even have to question. His will is that all men be saved, be saved, delivered from the penalty of sin in a right relationship with God. So if you want to be sure you're praying according to God's will, pray for a loved one, a relative, a neighbor, a co-worker, a customer, vendor, whoever, a friend. Pray for their salvation if they don't yet know the Lord. Because the truth of it is, folks, right here and now, yeah, God's will is that everyone be saved, but it's not how it is right at this present moment. So if you want to be sure you're praying according to God's will, pray for somebody, someone, man, woman, boy, or girl, to be saved. Thank God, amen, for 244 kids this past VBA that either gave their life to the Lord for the first time or rededicated their life. Isn't that right? Thank God. Let's, let's put our hands together. Thank God. That's what it's all about. And so many of you, the vast majority of you out here, put so much time and effort into it. I thank God for that. You know, our labor is not in vain. Amen? Our labor is not in vain. That is the, the fruit of your labor, folks. And God desires all men to be saved. Come to the knowledge of the, of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What promise? Do you know what promise that is? You know what it's talking about here? He's promised to come back. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? He's coming back, amen? Jesus is coming. It may not happen today. It may happen today. But maybe it'll happen a thousand years from now. We don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But Jesus, that's his promise. And it says he's not slack. He's not slow. Some people say, well, they've been saying he's coming back for years. All my life they've been saying, I don't see. I don't think he's coming back. I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that. Guess what? Even though you, don't, you may not see it in your lifetime, he is coming back, amen? amen. Jesus is coming back. And the reason he, he's delaying that, read it right here. The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promise to return, as some count slowness, but his long-suffering is patient toward us. The reason he's waiting, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance doesn't want anyone to perish. God desires all men to be saved, not to perish. But how many of you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father but through him. And not everybody, folks, has that relationship with Jesus right now. Not everyone is saved. Not everyone has accepted him. And God is patiently waiting to return because when he returns, that's it. Okay, the, the age of grace is over. Okay, so what should we be doing? What just like that's why we do VBA, folks, okay? Jesus is coming back. We don't know the day he's coming. He wants all men to be saved. He's being patient. He's being long-suffering. And our goal as believers is to share this gospel, to pray for people to be saved, and then to share this gospel with them. That is praying according to his will. Matthew 18, 19 says this. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Listen to that right there. If we agree, that's why at the end of every service, we invite people to come forward and we want to join our faith in agreement with them. And oftentimes we, we share scripture and this, script, this very scripture itself we share saying, God, this is what you said. If we agree here on earth about anything we ask, it says, Jesus said, our Father in heaven will do it for us. That's what Jesus, these are the words of Jesus and verse 20 says this, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. And I, I heard Cheryl, as she was praying before the service, that's what she prayed. She prayed that. that when, do you know that when, when we're praying and you're joining your faith with someone, it's not just you and them. Jesus, it's a threesome. 
Jesus is right there with us. That's what the scripture says. He is there in our midst, agreeing with us about anything according to his will, which is based on his word. And then finally, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able. Everybody say that with me. God is able. God is able through his mighty power at work within us. That's his Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. It says, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. How many of you know we pray to an almighty, all-powerful, not half-mighty God? Amen? We pray to an almighty God, omnipotent, and his power to deliver or to answer prayer or to make sure prayer works is limitless. And does that scripture not inspire you to have faith and trust in God? We're praying to a God that's, um, he's all powerful. In fact, he can do so much more than we can even ask or think. And I can think of a lot of big things, folks. But God is able to do so much more than that. And the last letter in our acronym, pray, is Y. And does anybody know what Y stands for? I didn't hear it. Yield? Did somebody say yield? Yield. Yield. Does anybody know what yield means? Yield. I was talking, you know what a yield sign is, right? I was talking to Norm uh, in, the, in the service before the first service. And he said, I got a great example for you. He said, the crosswalk right out here. Has anybody, is anybody volunteer on the crosswalk? to be? I've been out there several times, right, Rennie? Does everybody yield when they spoke? There's a big sign that says yield to pedestrians, right? They look at you and they're almost, they look like they're speeding up sometimes, to be honest with you. Right? They are. Yeah. And has everybody noticed that? Sometimes I think the yield sign, somebody reads that, oh, speed up, you know? But yield, the reason why is nobody wants to submit. Submit. And that's what that word means. Yield means surrender or submit to God. Submitting to his lordship. Recognizing that he is in charge of our life. If we have given our lives back to him, he gave his life to us. We give it back to him by faith. We surrender to him. And then we yield, we let him be Lord. He's, to call him Lord and not have him Lord of your life, do you, do you know that's what taking the name of the Lord is in, in vain? Do you know that's really what it means? Calling yourself a follower of Christ, a Christian, and not having him as Lord of your life. Billy Graham taught on that, I remember, years ago. That's really what taking the name of the Lord in vain is. Not just saying his name in vain. Matthew 6.10 says this, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is Jesus saying this is how you should pray like, like this. And one of the first things he says is, God, pray to your heavenly father. He's your heavenly father. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth. That's yielding. That's surrendering. And he proved this. Look what he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Luke, we find this story in Luke 22 and 39. It says this. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. Verse 41. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. And and you understand that what he was about to go through, folks, that the entire sins of the world past, present, and future were placed upon Christ. He took our sin. He was the substitute for our sin. He was the Lamb of God. And all the sins of the world were placed on him. And at that moment, God the Father had to look away. Had to look away. And that's the moment. That's what he, that's what he said, God, if there's any way, I can avoid that. If there's any way, take, it, take this cup of suffering from me. It wasn't, it wasn't so, believe it or not, it wasn't so much the physical suffering. It was that part of the suffering. And then he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That's yielding, saying, God, may your will be done. And look what happens in verse 43. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. That was an answer to prayer right there. You know, the Bible says that God knows what we need before we even ask him. And he knew what his only begotten son needed at that moment. It was an angel to strengthen him because ultimately... He wasn't going to be, God the Father loved us so much that the only way for us to be redeemed, to be reconciled back to him, was his son paying the price, the sinless lamb of God, in our place, on the cross, shedding his blood, 
dying, being buried, and then God raised them from the dead, proving that his sacrifice satisfied the requirements of a holy God and guaranteeing for you and me who believe in him an eternity with him about which God, Paul the Apostle said in heaven, when he had a glimpse of heaven, folks, he couldn't even describe how beautiful it was. And he, think about this. The Paul and Silas that were in that muck and mire, guess where they are right now? Right now! They're praising God. They're in his presence, in the glory of his presence right now. And the only way that was going to happen was if Jesus went to the cross. But even at that hour, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Verse 44 says, he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that he sweat, his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And listen to the last verse I want to share with you. Psalm 143, it says this. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. And I want to encourage you, if you don't spend it, do you spend, who spends a little time with God every day? Raise your hand. You know what? I, I want to encourage you, if, if it's not in the morning, try and spend some time. The reason you want to do that is because the distraction and the busy, busyness of the day hasn't happened yet. And you can have undistracted, quiet time with God. It says, let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. The psalmist is saying, when I spend time with you, I hear you saying you love me. That's what he's saying, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. And that is yielding. It's the, he's crying a prayer here. Show me where to walk. And how many times I pray with folks. I could safely say dozens, maybe hundreds of times I prayed. I need to know where to go. I need to know the decisions to make. Pray this prayer. Show me where to walk. I give myself to you. And part of the condition of getting an answer to that prayer is yielding to God and his lordship. So these are the things, and I, like I said at the beginning, I like things that make it simple. The acronym PRAY, P is for praise, R is for repent, A is for ask, Y is for yield. This will help you and me be better prayers and making sure our pray, we're praying when we pray, we're praying prayers that work. And in order for us to memorize some of these things, I've given, uh, back at the uh, Connections desk, there's a little business card. For everybody as you leave, it has this acronym on it. He has, I have some scripture verses there just as references. For the praise one, look at, your, uh, look at the weekly challenge. It says memorize a psalm and begin praying it back to God. Whatever it is, there's room for you to fill it in on the first line of P. It says praise and whatever psalm you pick, you pick. You look at the Psalms yourself. And that's your challenge this week, to memorize a Psalm and begin praying it back to God. So, I'm exhausted. Can we just pray right now? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your mercies that are new every morning, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness, and I come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for everyone here. I pray for each person here, whatever need there might be, Father God, for you to meet them at that point of need. And Lord, as they praise, as they get their mind off whatever they're going through and get it on you, sometimes whatever issue we have seems to solve itself sometimes when we begin to praise you. As we heard about in that story where Paul and Silas were just praising you and they were delivered from that predicament they were in. And Lord, R is for repent. If there's anything in us, search us, O oh God. Sometimes we can't see uh, things in us, if there's any unforgiveness, anything in us, holding a grudge, any attitude, Lord, that needs correcting, help us to, to identify that, to turn from it, and to trust you. And then we ask in faith, Lord God, and we ask according to your will. And a lot of times when we ask, Father, we join our faith with other believers um, in asking, Father, and knowing the scripture that says if we agree about anything we ask, we know our Father in heaven will do it for us. And then finally, we yield to you, Lord. We surrender to you as Lord. We recognize you as Lord of our lives. And we pray, thy will be done. And as your heads are bowed, I want to take a moment. If there's anyone here that's new to Faith Living Church, never been here, or maybe you've been here for many, many years even, but you've never experienced God's forgiveness. You've never experienced that newness of life. I want to encourage you. We can pray right now. You can invite Christ to come in. You can repent. That is to turn from sin and trust in God. And those that may have prayed that prayer before many years ago, you want to pray, I want to encourage you to pray in uh, rededication, to recommit your lives to the Lord. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, I know that you love me because you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to shed his blood for my sake and for my sin. And then you rose him from the dead and he is alive forevermore. And I believe that Jesus is knocking on the door of my heart. And by faith, I open the door and I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to repent of my sins and to put my faith in you as my Savior. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.